Neurodevelopmental Disorder Executive Function Disorder Working Memory Disorder Superpower Disability These are all names for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD. Which of these is it? And why are there so many names? Join me as I dive deep into what exactly ADHD is, here on the Scanner Type Podcast. Welcome to the Scanner Type Podcast, a podcast that highlights what it means to be a scanner type and documents my journey as I learn more about every idea, topic, and industry that builds up our reality. My name is Ali Shirazi, and I'll be your host today. You're probably wondering, what exactly is a scanner type? It's the name of this podcast. What does that even mean? Well, I'd be happy to enlighten you. A scanner type is someone who finds themselves opposite from a specialist on the generalist to specialist spectrum. They don't find themselves called out to a specific niche, but rather find fulfillment from exploring different industries. We look out and scan the ideological horizon instead of diving deep into niche waters. We take an MCAT for fun of learning medical knowledge then actually dedicate the rest of our lives to being doctors. We go by a number of names, from polymath and multipotentialite to hypergeneralist and renaissance person. Either way, scanner types are interested in learning different industries and ideas, and I aim to document my own scanner type journey here on this podcast, helping educate people about the scanner type and each of the topics that I explore. For today's episode, we're diving into ADHD, a subject that is deeply important to me and is why I personally believe I am a scanner type myself. But more on that in a little bit. When you hear ADHD, what exactly comes to mind? Do you imagine a young boy that's inappropriately jumping out of his seat? Or do you imagine someone interrupting themselves mid-sentence, whipping their face to the side because a squirrel passed by? Maybe you think of a child who just won't do their homework but can play video games for hours on end. Unfortunately, these reductive stereotypes are oftentimes what most people think of ADHD, and they don't come anywhere close to seeing the full picture. So what exactly is ADHD, or Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder? Is it any different than ADD? Well, according to the DSM-5, the fifth edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, essentially the therapist bible if you will, ADHD is a persistent pattern of inattention and or hyperactivity impulsivity that interferes with functioning or development as characterized by inattention, hyperactivity, and or impulsivity. It's estimated that 6.7% of adults globally, or more than 360 million adults, are affected by ADHD. Boys are diagnosed approximately three times as often as girls are, but the ratio is closer to one to one for adult males and females. It's believed that the discrepancy between boys and girls is because of underdiagnoses for girls, rather than it occurring outright more in boys. Girls oftentimes fall through the ADHD diagnosis crack 
as their ADHD tends to manifest with more inattentive symptoms, not hyperactive ones. By the way, you can find all of my sources for this episode in the show notes, so be sure to check that out. ADHD is recognized as having three main presentations, inattentive type, hyperactive and impulsive type, or combined type, the last of which is the most common presentation. Attention Deficit Disorder, or ADD, is encompassed by the umbrella term of ADHD and commonly refers to the inattentive subtype and is often used interchangeably with ADHD. But it's important to highlight that they're similar but different terms highlighting specific things. ADD referring to mostly the inattentive type, whereas ADHD refers to the entire umbrella and all different subtypes. So just to recap real quickly, ADHD is a neurodevelopmental disorder that fundamentally changes the nervous system of whoever it affects. Unlike mental health conditions, like depression and anxiety, ADHD is uncurable, but thankfully it's treatable. Oftentimes, people will refer to those with ADHD as neurodivergent, a term that has come up to help describe different types of nervous systems and different ways of thinking that are fundamentally different than the vast majority of people. Conditions like autism spectrum disorder and ADHD fall under the umbrella of being neurodiverse. In the same way how someone with autism is fundamentally different than someone who doesn't have autism, ADHD follows the same element of being unable to be cured. Oftentimes, there's a misconception that those with ADHD can outgrow their ADHD, or that their symptoms will eventually go away as they get older. Although ADHD symptoms can be relieved, and a large percentage of children with ADHD do learn to outgrow their ADHD, what actually is happening is that these children are learning coping mechanisms so that adverse symptoms don't come to the surface. But if you have ADHD, your wiring is different. And that's okay. Now enough of all this summary stuff. Let's get into it. For the remainder of the episode, I'm going to be going through the five steps of ADHD realization. Essentially, the steps and the experience that someone with ADHD goes through when they learn of their diagnosis and eventually finding acceptance, and learning that ADHD is a legitimate disability and medical condition that should be treated as such. The first stage of ADHD realization is excitement slash relief. I remember the night when I found it out. I was at my friend's wedding, surrounded by friends and loved ones, laughing, having a great time. As the night progressed, and as our group talked more, two of my friends noticed that I had a very stream-of-consciousness type of way of thinking. They recommended that I look into ADHD. One of those two friends was my best friend, Nishu. She and I have the exact same mind. We think at the same pace. We have the same type of jokes. She's honestly my twin. But that night, she revealed to me that she had recently gotten an ADHD diagnosis. Now hearing that she had had ADHD really made me think that there was a good chance that I had it too. After all, we had the same brain and often joked about it. Later that night, I researched what ADHD was and the more that I learned, the more that I found myself relating with it. 
I can still recall how relieving it was to finally have a name for something that described me. I felt immense relief from a lifetime of feeling lazy, that I just didn't try hard enough, that I had a broken reward system. The compounding shame of years of letting down loved ones and role models and coming to find a name for my condition and for something that fundamentally described the way that I thought brought so much relief and excitement. I finally had a name. I finally knew what impacted me and I knew the rules of the game. Like myself, countless others go through this same experience of relief and excitement when first discovering that they might have ADHD or upon receiving their diagnosis. Although the initial relief and excitement of discovering ADHD, it's short-lived and leads to the second stage. The second stage of ADHD realization is investigation. Put a finger down, ADHD edition. Put a finger down if you leave things half open, like cabinets or drawers or doors. Put a finger down if you get on food kicks where you want to eat the same thing like over and over again. Put a finger down if sometimes you just don't eat. Put a finger down if you have so many passions and hobbies that you were all about and then one day you just drop that thing like Andy dropped Woody in Toy Story. Put a finger down if you interrupt people in conversations. Put a finger down if you also need to relate to people in conversations so people think you're making it about yourself. Videos like the TikTok that we just heard are exactly what fill up the investigation stage of ADHD realization. It's a lot of going through subreddits and YouTube videos and reading books and just learning as much as we can. Funny enough, the investigation phase often highlights the infamous hyperfocus ability. Those with ADHD are known for having what is called hyperfocus or the ability to do so rather. Hyperfocusing looks like being able to just concentrate on one particular objective or project for hours on end, often foregoing food, drinking water, or restroom breaks. Unfortunately, hyperfocus isn't controllable. It's often driven by interest in something enjoyable, something that releases dopamine. I recall with my own investigation phase, I stayed up many nights, just learning more and more. Once I had learned that I had ADHD, I had to learn as much as I could about it. I watched videos like the 30 Essential Ideas Everyone Needs to Know About ADHD by Dr. Russell A. Barkley, the leading researcher on ADHD for the last 40 years. The playlist has amassed over 2 million views and is extremely informative on what exactly ADHD is. It was reassuring to hear Dr. Barkley say things like, This is a developmental disability. That is the first thing you need to understand. And I would want parents to understand something that the vast majority of the lay population does not understand. Self-control is not learned. It is not the result of your upbringing and how good your parents were. This is one of the most profound insights from our research on ADHD. ADHD, as we will see, is largely a neurogenetic disorder. But then let's pursue the implication. If that is true and ADHD is a self-regulation disorder, then self-control is largely neurogenetic in origin. The biggest thing that I took away from my investigation stage, though, 
was that ADHD impaired executive functioning. And this would be central to understanding why ADHD is so debilitating. Dr. Barkley goes on to discuss the executive functions. So if you want to understand ADHD as a parent, you have got to understand these are the five things that are delayed in this child. The ability to stop, to use visual imagery, to use your mind's voice, to use your mind's heart and emotion and motivation, and when called upon to do so, to simulate multiple possibilities when faced with a problem or when planning out what you hope to do. Planning and problem solving. Those are the five executive abilities. We know where they are in the frontal lobe. We know that ADHD children have lost all five of them. Dr. Barkley continues to explain how these deficits manifest in those with ADHD and the real life effects of ADHD. So ADHD leads you to act on impulse, not resist distraction. You are less able to think back about what you are doing, about the action that lies ahead. You cannot use your hindsight and therefore your foresight is gone. You do not plan ahead, you live in the moment. This is going to rob you of your sense of time because the sense of time comes from looking back to look ahead, looking across time and knowing where I'm going. You will not have a subjective sense of time and that alone is going to be a devastating adult disability. You have the consummate disorder of time management. It's no wonder they're always late. You will not be able to talk to yourself, to reason with yourself, to ask yourself questions, and to remind yourself of the rules that are governing the immediate situation. And therefore, it doesn't matter what people say to you over and over and over again. You won't do it. No amount of nattering by your teacher or your mother will overcome the internal mind's voice deficit. Different memes from TikTok or Reddit or Instagram all things that were relatable started to hit on a different level. The more I learned about ADHD and the more that I related to it, the more upset that I slowly would become. The investigation stage is often riddled with intensive emotions. It's both uplifting and disheartening. The more you learn, the more exciting it becomes. But the more you learn, the more you begin to see the adverse effects. All the symptoms that you've experienced your entire life are written out in front of you on a screen. For the first time, your symptoms are tangible and you see them clear as day. You begin to discover things that you didn't know were there. It's in the investigation stage that you begin to realize how devastating, debilitating, and all-encompassing ADHD really is. Just some of the adverse symptoms that come with ADHD are delayed sleep, lower life expectancy, object permanence, sensory issues, and so many more. All of a sudden, those restless nights growing up, my own frustration with myself for not being able to get enough sleep, my own sensory issues with the way the tag on your shirt rubs against your back or have an attraction towards crunchy foods or differences in texture while not being able to have other textures. Or even that I had a hard time remembering family and friends when they weren't in front of me. All just made so much sense. I learned about RSD, 
rejection sensitivity dysphoria, where rejection hurts so much that we find ways to cope with it by following rules that even the smallest bit of rejection from someone that you care about feels like your entire world is going to tear apart. And stimming, like my chronic biting of my lip, even when I can't control it. Or ADHD paralysis, where I'm so overwhelmed by all the tasks I need to do, and each of the tiny steps that build up each task, it gets so overwhelming that I just can't do it. Each of these things made so much sense, and yet, the more I learned, the more I grieved, and the more upset I became. The frustrations that I had channeled towards myself weren't my fault after all. The third stage of ADHD realization is frustration. I feel like I've just been a bit of a failure this semester, honestly. And it's really frustrating, and I think it's especially frustrating because the classes that I'm taking are classes that I want to take, that I want to learn from, and not being able to learn from them to the full capacity that I want to is it's personally infuriating like I feel like I, I just personally feel like I keep letting myself down and there's one reason for the next that was me venting to a voice memo on a car ride back to Houston despite the fact that I've already been through my frustration phase. I still have a lot of grievances with having ADHD. And this is after having gone through everything and accepting that I do have ADHD. The frustration stage is just that. You begin to experience all the, the grievances and frustrations that you've held below the surface that you didn't even know were there. You grieve the loss of a life that you could have had if you didn't have ADHD. You grieve the loss of opportunity because you didn't have treatment. You grow frustrated. Why is this happening to me? Why do I have to deal with this? It's not fair. You realize that you have to work harder than most other people and you still won't even get half as much work done as they can. This is where you feel the emotional reaction to the full depth of ADHD. Once you learn a little more about what exactly it is, you can finally start to process that. I interviewed my best friend and partner, Stephanie Root, as she's currently on her journey of accepting and dealing with her ADHD. This is her speaking on the frustrating aspects of ADHD. Makes daily life just a lot harder than it, it needs to be. The most frustrating part about ADHD is this feeling of, I know I can do better than this. Why can't I do better than this? And it's kind of weird to think about that because if I really could do better, then I would be doing better. And then I, I wonder if I'm just being lazy or, you know, if I really can't get myself to, to do these things that I need to be doing and, um, you know, there's a level of shame and 
it all kind of boils down to just I I feel like I should be able to do better and I can't. Experiences like that of Stephanie's are not unique. If anything, people often feel even more frustrated. This phase of ADHD realization is honestly the most difficult part of discovering that you have ADHD. It's hearing a sobering truth that destabilizes so much and yet provides so much structure out of what's new to come. Oftentimes, this phase is where other comorbidities like anxiety and depression come to light if they weren't already there. This phase is when it hits. You're in for the long haul. ADHD isn't going anywhere. It is a part of you. It has always been there. And as many problems as it brings, it's who you are. Oftentimes, this phase will feel like a spiral downward. It feels as though you were better off before, before having known that you had ADHD. At least then, you had the coping mechanisms to get by and the blissful ignorance to not have to worry and know about everything that impacts you. Thankfully, with time, it does get better. Whether you start focusing on your depression and anxiety, or you start to let those symptoms and those frustrations sit, and they no longer burn a raging fire like they first did, at which point we're brought to the next phase. The fourth stage of ADHD realization is acceptance. The acceptance stage is often the final destination for most people. Acceptance is understanding ADHD. It's coming to terms with the fact that it is you. It is a part of you. You've done your research. You understand how it manifests for you. You've discovered ways to treat it and how to curtail your own ADHD symptoms. You understand that not everyone's going to understand that they also are going to have to go through a learning process of their own, not too dissimilar than the process that you had. Acceptance is giving yourself grace and understanding that you aren't all of your faults. That sometimes, a lot of times really, your brain just isn't working for you and that that's okay. You're just built a little different. You are finally at peace. Granted, not too much peace. ADHD will find a way to make sure you still got stuff to do. Although acceptance is the final destination for most people with ADHD, there is a fifth and final phase. The fifth phase of ADHD realization is action. This last stage is for anyone who made it past acceptance and sees their ADHD as a positive thing that can have positive impacts on their life. They've taken time to educate themselves and their loved ones. Actually, doing this podcast is my way of expressing myself. Action. I'm here trying to educate y'all on what exactly is ADHD. 
as put together by the author of the five stages of ADHD realization. They describe stage five as ADHD years striving to become that rare person for someone diagnosed with ADHD, a true, fully accepting friend. ADHD in total. In total, we've come the entire way. Starting from excitement and relief, to even the idea that we might have ADHD, all the way to acceptance and wanting to help others. ADHD is a very, very complicated condition. It can make people seem like they really don't care or they're not trying, when in reality that just isn't the case. I can look at the very thing that I want to do, but if my brain doesn't want to eat and doesn't want to do it, I physically won't be able to do it. Because on a molecular level, I'm not getting the neurotransmitters that I need. ADHD requires a lot of attention. It makes life a little backwards, but it's also who I am. It makes me super creative. It allows me to be innovative, to not settle and to go after what I deserve, despite its hardships and all of the nights and days that have just wished for things to be easier. I don't think that I would take it away. It makes me myself, and why would I wanna get rid of that? But anyways, before this podcast episode ends, I'd like to leave y'all with a couple of tools. Throughout my experience with ADHD, I've come to discover that certain things are most important when trying to manage your ADHD. Obviously, if you're able to get medication, and if medication works for you, go for it. Get treatment, see if it can help. It really can make a world of a difference. Before I started taking Adderall, I honestly really struggled to maintain any semblance of a day. Taking medication helps me manage my symptoms, but it doesn't make them go away by any means. It's fundamental to understand what ADHD is and how it impacts you specifically. What does your ADHD look like? Or the ADHD in your loved one? And two, it's important to understand, and I cannot emphasize enough, prioritizing your health. That means focusing on your sleep. It means taking supplements. It means eating healthier. It means staying hydrated. An amazing book that covers the topic of ADHD and how to manage it through exercise is Spark by John J. Rady, MD. The book goes on about specifically how exercise can completely transform your life and how you develop new proteins by exercising and and all this cool stuff. But when it comes to ADHD, and the book talks about this, exercise is also extremely fundamental to helping make sure that you get all the neurotransmitters that your brain needs in order to operate. That in combination with good sleep, healthy food, and medication, you should be able to slay your ADHD, metaphorically speaking, of course. I highly recommend looking into The Anti-Planner. It's this little graphic book that was made by an artist with ADHD who makes content online and is very, very helpful in 
navigating your ADHD in real time and how to deal with different emotions, whether it's overwhelm or procrastination, so on and so forth. As mentioned before in this podcast, books by Dr. Russell A. Barkley, the leading researcher on ADHD for the last 40 years. Part of that is he's written many books and his book on having to manage adult ADHD is extremely helpful and was made for people with ADHD. It's pretty cool. You definitely check it out. I'd be doing myself and y'all a disservice if I didn't take a moment to talk about technology and how technology has helped me manage my ADHD and very well could help you or your loved one. Beyond anything else, having a smartwatch has completely changed my life. I have an Apple Watch and it has just completely revolutionized the way that I go about my day. It's made my ADHD much more manageable. Um, specifically, I take advantage of timers. Uh, there's a haptic feedback option where you can get notified every 15 minutes. So that helps with time blindness and helping you be able to kind of just keep track of time as it passes. I've also gone ahead and bought a smart water bottle, the Hydrate Spark Pro. And this water bottle keeps track of how much water you have with each sip reminds you to drink water with a little nice LED at the bottom and uses AI to help kind of adapt your drinking hydration level uh, based on the heat for the day and your exercise amount. Overall, great, great thing for me that's been working and has helped me hydrate better. I also have to mention different tracking devices like AirTags, Tile, or just anything similar. I personally use a tile on my wallet and my keys, and I make sure that all of my most important things have a tracker on them, because if anything, I know for a fact that I won't be able to find them later on. Overall, it's really nice to be able to find your items when inevitably you lose them somewhere around the house. I hope that this episode has helped you to learn a little bit more about ADHD and what it's like to have ADHD. We've explored what exactly ADHD is and the five stages of realization as one comes to accepting that they do have ADHD. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Scanner Type Podcast. This is your host, Ali Shrazi, signing out. Until next time.